0: Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe.
1: Imagine if you could shop the shelves of all your local liquor stores at the same time? Well, spoiler alert, you can with Drizzly, the number one alcohol delivery app. Drizzly lets you compare prices from local liquor stores on a huge selection of beer, wine, and spirits. Then get them delivered right to your door in under 60 minutes. And right now, Drizzly is giving all new customers $5 off their first order. Just enter promo code SAVE5 at checkout. Download the Drizzly app or go to drizzly.com. That's D R-I-Z-L-Y.com.
2: Ich warte seit Wochen
1: auf diesen Tag und tanz vor Freude über den Asphalt. Als wär's ein Rhythmus, als gäb's ein Lied, das mich immer weiter durch die Straßen zieht. Komm die Entgegen... Hello and welcome to Gag Pressing, the German football podcast from the Football Grad Network. I'm your host Bryce Dunn. And as always, we'll go over the Bundesliga weekend match day results. So starting on Friday night we seen Mainz beat Freiburg an Emphatic 5 Nil. What a way to start off the match day, eh? Then into Saturday we see Leverkusen two, RB Leipzig four, Hertha Berlin one, Fortuna Düsseldorf two, Wolfsburg three, Hanover one, Schalke one, Eintracht Frankfurt two Stuttgart 1, Nuremberg 1, Der classicer. yeah, unfortunately it was rather one-sided, Bayern Munich 5, Borussia Dortmund 0, that was a late kick-up on Saturday. Into Sunday, we've seen Augsburg 0, Julian Nagelsmann's men scoring 4, that's right, Hoffenheim 4-0 against Augsburg. And finishing off the weekend, we've seen Borussia Mönchengladbach 1, further Bremen 1. So, joining me as always is Chris Williams. Chris, how's your week been?
0: been very well thanks bro very well it's been fine bryce thank you um yeah it was a big build-up wasn't it we had pokal midweek uh building up to the big match on saturday which unfortunately unless you're of a Bayern flavor um was it was a bit of a letdown for everyone but yeah um, Bayern stormed it i think is probably the best way of describing it i'm sure we'll have loads of adjectives later
1: yeah that's it um, unfortunately it was uh, more one-sided than what we would have liked, eh? But um, joining Chris and I, as always, is Manu Vet Manu, where are you this week?
2: <laughs> Back on the Canadian West Coast. Um,
1: Finally three, home. Three,
2: fri- three flights later. Started yesterday, midday, and arrived this morning at uh, 10 o'clock in the morning. So, a little tired, not jet lag. Time difference is only two hours, but Bryce, it's a big continent. You know, you have to go all the way up the Gulf Coast. First to Toronto, and then all the way across um, the across Canada. So two two big flights, one for three hours, one for four and a half hours, and then a short little hop onto Vancouver Island. But yeah, back home, um, not too happy about the results overall because of you know we all were hoping for a little bit of a tighter match. But you know what can you say? It is what it is.
1: Well, that's exactly it, and we'll certainly be covering it rather in depth. But at the end of the podcast, rather than the start, we're going to get all the other games out of the way. No disrespect to them, but um, let, let's leave that one for now. Because on Friday and Saturday, we've seen plenty of goals uh, and very interesting results. And I think we've got to start off with that game. Uh, well, the game was six goals. We see Bayern Leverkusen, two RB Leipzig, Four, yes, four. Um, incredible. And this was very much a game of fantastic goals. I mean, uh, most likely the the last one will be um, the one that you may have seen online uh, w- with the fantastic uh, parawet and then dink over the keeper. But I mean, Havart scored a fantastic goal. So, Sambitz scored a fantastic goal. That there, there were many. But um, my, if, if we speak about RB Leipzig, I mean, the, this is a fantastic result for them um, especially when they were behind but it it looks very good for their Champions League prospects as well
2: yeah I think Leipzig very much have the Champions League spot nailed down now Bryce and I mean what first of all what a fantastic result what a what a great game Um, this is I watched this on down in the States on on Fox and um, that goal by Matthias Kuna. Uh, if you haven't seen it yet, there's there's a couple of gifts going around, um, Twitter and you know the various social media platforms. Uh, Watch them quick because I've also noticed that they are getting taken down very quickly. Um, the DFL police uh, is not looking too kindly on those. But you know they are now on fifty five points, and you know sixty points. We say in the Bundesliga around sixty points, it's a magic marker for for Champions League football. They have six games left to get there. Um, what I find actually really interesting and I, this is maybe a discussion point for the entire group, they are only eight points behind Dortmund and they're nine points behind Bayern. Now that, that seems, still seems like a lot, but they're still playing Bayern, right? And you almost wonder, I'm not going to say like they're going to get into that championship race, but you have seen the top teams, the top two stumble so often this season. Um, you almost wonder if they can still make it in there. They've been so consistent in that second half of the season under Rangnik just getting points every week, getting back into games. They don't have to worry about any other competition. Or oh, Actually, that's not true, they're still in the car. But, you know, they just seem to be, off that top three in the second half, almost the most consistent side.
1: Yes, indeed. It's certainly looking very good for RB Leipzig's Champions League app. Uh- Gotta get the word out. Um, Chris, um, if, if we talk about um, Peter Bosk as well, I mean, this is three losses in a row for Barleyver because, after things, we're looking ever so rosy for them has he been found out a little bit I, I it sounds a little bit like a broken record maybe asking that question or us even bringing up that topic but we did see the wheels completely come off um his Dortmund bus last season uh, is that possibly happening this time round too
0: I think I mean it's not Peter Bosch's problem I think the problem with his style of football is that it all relies on um, on them scoring lots of goals. And I think I said this, if it wasn't last week, it was certainly the week before, that by Leverkusen and Underbosch have a look of, we don't care if you score three goals, we'll go and score four. Now, whilst it's exceptionally exciting to watch, it's not really the best way to... Um, the foundations of your season on and unfortunately um, for Leverkusen it just looks this way I mean once again we saw them take the lead, get drawn back, take the lead again and then all of a sudden they're smashed um, and unfortunately that's I think the t- the type of way that Peter Bosch likes to play football it was certainly the way he played football at Dortmund early on and, and Dortmund were, were flying high under him but there was just that little concern that maybe they were uh, leaking too many goals and then it flipped the other way. And, but if you think all the way back to his Ajax days, that Ajax side was very, very exciting to watch. It was one of the most exciting teams to watch across Europe. It's just very fluid attacking. Um, but if you're coming across opposition who are um, as good as you, maybe slightly better, then they will eventually work out that they can hit you on the break because all you know how to do is to attack. And once that happens, once you work that out... You just let them attack, pick them off on a break, and score on the break, and and hit them where it hurts. You know, high press around the edge of the box, etc. Um, so I don't know if he's been found out as such. I think it's just a a an unwanted byproduct of the style of football he plays. And I think more of the question is, can it be successful in the Bundesliga? Because it's not exactly the sort of league where other teams will sit back and let you attack. You know, the the the, the beauty of the league. Is and we saw it on Friday night. Is the fact that one side can you know draw with Bayern one week and then get beat five nil the week after? You just don't know what's going to happen. And I think maybe Peter Bosz's by Leverkusen are a little easier to work out because you know they're just going to attack. So soak it up a bit and hit them on the break.
2: Yeah, and that's exactly what Leipzig does, right, Chris? I mean that they played that four two 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 to such great effect. Better than any any other team in the league, and that, that's the typical Red Bull style. So, I think too that Leverkusen might not have the the right um, wing backs to play the the preferred system that Borussia's preferred system, because both Wendel and Weiser are very forward thinking. Now you have then on top of that you have someone like Brand, who's also an attacking winger playing in central midfield. And then you have Harvard and Bailey playing on top of that with fallen, So there isn't much defending left. And if you have basically just Sven Bender and Jonathan Town, and even Bender isn't really technically a central center back, that just gives you so much room as a counter-pressing side, like Leipzig are, to get into those spaces and really hit them hard. And I think... I like Bosch's style of football. I think it's very attractive to watch. And yes, Chris, you're right. It's like all about scoring more goals than the opposition. But I think you also need the right players for it.
0: Yeah, you do most definitely. And, and we've seen teams throughout, not just um, Germany, but throughout Europe, suffer when if you've got a, if if your whole team is based on getting forward, which is Leverkusen's, is if you don't have wing backs who can also get back and defend as well as being exceptional up top. Um, in the, you know in in the attacking areas, if they haven't got the ability to get back and defend, then then that is a major problem. And I think until maybe Bileviciusen can find a right back and a left back who can attack um, exceptionally well, but also defend to the same high standard that they can attack at, I think they'll have problems. And and it's going to be a hard ask because if you've got if you've got two players like that, and no disrespect to Bileviciusen, but if you've got two wingbacks who can attack and defend they're going to be wanted not just by teams in Germany but by teams in England by teams in France by teams in Spain you know by teams all over the world in fact South American football would would poach their own try and poach their own style of players back if they could offer that sort of um, end product so Yeah, for Bayer Leverkusen themselves to find that type of player, let's say they dug into their academy and they found two and they were lucky enough to find a right-back and a left-back who can attack and defend. The season after, you would envisage they will probably lose them anyway to, to either to the Premier League or to someone like Bayern or to someone like Dortmund. So it's going to be very, very difficult for them. I don't know how they go about it. Do you ask Peter Bosch to change his style of play? I don't really know if you can do that because... Leverkusen will have been well aware what they were getting, they saw what happened at Dortmund and they saw what happened at Ajax so they will have known the good parts and the bad parts, so it depends if they want to stick with that, but for certainly for the, the squad and the type of player they've got, I think his style does fit, it's just that unfortunately for them, they will probably win as many as they will lose, and if you're trying to get back into Champions League or if you're trying to get into um, the Europa League or even into a title fight, you can't afford to be you know winning four, three one week and getting beat four two the next week.
2: It's actually interesting the things that you said chris got me got me thinking a little bit, and um, I know I'm jumping ahead, a little bit ahead of the the topics Bryce, so I apologize, but it got me thinking about Adi Hutter and his style of play with young boys. And before that with Salzburg, where they also really pressed high, and it, it was really interesting when he came into this league, and he always played a four-three-three or you know the typical Red Bull style four-two-two-two. And he came into this league, and he looked at Kovac's side, the side that he inherited in Frankfurt, and said, "Okay, well, this is not going to work in this league because we're going to be found out, we're going to be destroyed." And he found this out very quickly because you know in the DFL Super Cup he they lost five nil to Bayern, so. I actually think it's really interesting how he then took Kovac's system, which is we all know is a three five two, three four one two, and adapted it to fit his style of play. He he stayed with the three centre backs, but still had this high pressing attacking left back, wing backs, in Kostic and Da Costa in this case, right? Um, and in this case, because you have three center-backs and you have Kostic and Acosta have been excellent working on both ends of the pitch, but they're both more attacking players, right? It works because you have that compactness in midfield with another defensive midfielder, three in the back. So I almost wonder, and of course, it's a hard ask for anyone coming out of that Ajax school and anyone who has followed Ajax over the years knows that Ajax always play 4-3-3. It's like cemented into their club ethos. And every coach coming out of that club ethos will play four-three-three. Um, 3 If you live in Amsterdam, if you play for any club in Amsterdam, it's like it's in your bones. Four-three-three is the way you play possession football, attacking football. So I almost wonder if Peter Bosch needs to look at Frankfurt and what Adi Hütter did there, walking away a little bit from his from formation to actually preserve his style of play.
0: Yeah, I think Adi Hütter was quite, I mean, fortunate it's not the right, Word I'm searching for, but he was. Um, he had the benefit of going into a side that had already a, a dedicated style of play. So when Frankfurt were whipped in the Super Cup, he could actually go, oh, right, okay, let's see how they played last. But unfortunately, you know, under Heiko Herlich, um, Typhoon Korkut, your favourite coach, Bryce, and then before that, Roger Schmidt, by Leverkusen, didn't really have any dedicated style of play. So it will be difficult for him. Um But he's, I think he is going to have to adapt it, and he'll have to adapt if he wants to keep his job because I don't think Rudy Voller will want to see this week in, week out. He won't want to see the 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 potential getting, well, humped, basically each week. So it's going to be a hard one and I think we all identified, not just us as well, you listen, there's, there's other podcasts, there's commentators on the television, there's World Feed commentators, the Fox commentators, commentators in the UK all said the same thing. Um, will Peter Boss see the season out at Bayer Leverkusen if what happens um, at Leverkusen happened to him at Dortmund and it's a very interesting discussion to be having now. Um, you know, when we are a month and a month and a bit away from the end of the season, there's all sorts of questions now being asked. And we've seen um, managers, well, I suppose, be sacked um, now, um, but they will carry on to the summer. It, it wouldn't surprise me to see maybe Peter Bosch do something similar, but I, I would probably think that Rudy Voller will give him the pre season, will give him the start of next season. And if we're looking at October, November, um, I think then they might make a decision. But it's it's one to be thinking about again, unfortunately.
1: Guys, just before we talk a little bit more about uh, Eintracht, uh, in looking at uh, Bayer Leverkusen and RB Leipzig, I suppose, Manu, if we look at the fixtures coming up, you know, RB have uh, Wolfsburg um, coming up and they also have Gladbach. Um, I'd imagine that this actually... I suppose the first question is, how do you think they're going to get on against those two sides with them being so consistent at the moment? Will they be able to, you know, pick up four to six points in those games? But also maybe those games kind of help out Peter Bosk and, and Leverkusen with their own challenges of getting into Europe because they're two sides that they're in the mix with.
2: Yeah, I, I, so with Leipzig, I don't actually see them dropping very many points, if any at all, until the end of the season. Um, I think the way they've been playing under Rangnick, they have been so well organized. And um, I mean, this is this is maybe perhaps the biggest hope that Dortmund fans have at the moment, and we're to talk about them. But Leipzig are still facing Bayern, right? And I think they are they're a serious contender too take points of Bayern. Um because of how they've been playing and how they have evolved throughout the season. So if if you're asking me if Leipzig could help um take points of the competitors of of Leverkusen's competitors, um I certainly think so if we if we look at the the upcoming fixtures as the you know as Wolfsburg being a competitor. Um I guess considering the standings, yes they are. Uh, And then Gladbach, I mean we get to talk about Gladbach in a moment, but I have not been impressed with them for about ten match days. So, yeah, ja, Bryce, I guess the answer to that is yes. <laughs> but I mean, it, it really does, it depends on Leverkusen, doesn't it? And what they they have to win their first, have to win their games first. And they're playing two weeks from now. They're playing Nuremberg, um, which is a game they better win because you know Nuremberg looks like a side that's pretty much relegated. And then they got Stuttgart, um, who will be clawing. For any point that they can get in that relegation dogfight so that first one in particular is difficult nuremberg they need to get the three points
1: yeah absolutely so might be helping on both sides uh, those fixtures that rb can continue their winning ways but um yeah guys we've talked a little bit about eintracht frankfurt but um let, let's talk about the game um against schalke at the weekend yes schalke Put up um, a a decent fight as the game finished 2-1. But the uh, latest penalty in Bundesliga history uh, from Luka Jovic um, got the winner in the end, uh, 2-1. This type of victory um, sees them win once again, Chris, and... Things are obviously looking very bright for them getting in the Champions League. And Adi Hooter has done a fantastic job uh, as well. And in fact, them and Werder Bremen are the only two sides in the top five leagues in Europe that have not lost a game domestically in 2019. So that goes to say just how good they have been. But a late win like this gives them even more hope that they can continue their winning ways.
0: Yeah, it does. I mean, the goal was that late that um, I think... A lot of our listeners will know that we use transfer marked. It was that late that the goal is the goal's well off the side of the of the timeline. I mean, it was exceptionally late, wasn't it? Um, and I think what not only do these extra three points help Frankfurt, but it's the goals that they keep scoring is in essence it's going to be worth an extra point to them um, if they were to be tied with whoever finishes fifth. Let's say Frankfurt finished fourth. They're going to be tied with whoever finishes fifth. If you look at the teams around them, Frankfurt have got um, a goal difference of plus 25. And then behind them, Gladbach are on plus 12. Wolfsburg are on five. It's really only um, Hoffenheim and they're only on plus 19 who could maybe challenge them. So the goals that they're scoring are are in essence worth an extra point because if the teams are tied, then, then it goes down to goal difference. So, yeah, and they just keep scoring and they keep digging out results as well. If it's not in the Bundesliga, it's results that are being dug out across Europe. So, yeah, they've been really influential this season in, in making that top four fight well. I mean, it, it looks now, man know Manu said earlier on, and he said to us um, privately as well when we were chatting, that the top four looks pretty much cemented. I, I will go and agree with that, um, but Frankfurt are, are going to be worth every penny in that top four, not just now, but for the rest of this season and for seasons beyond.
1: Yeah, the top four looks more or less done, doesn't it? And um, I don't think it'll it'll change much. Uh, but uh, let's drop down a little bit lower than that uh, and uh, talk about the European uh, places that are up for grabs. And we'll, we'll start with Bruce uh, Borussia Mönchengladbach, who. I've seen another draw, but, um, well, I suppose Ben and a loss is still a point and still leaves them three, or sorry, four points behind fourth place um, against Verde Bremen on Sunday. Um, Manu, there's a bit of a um, managerial change or coaching change happening at the end of the season with Gladbach in that Hecking is finally going to leave his position and we're going to see Marco Rose come in from RB Salzburg. Or are they not RB anymore? I'm not entirely sure. But Manu, what what type of coach are they getting and is this um a move in the right direction?
2: So first of all, hold on, hold on, hold on. Rosa has not been confirmed yet. So um put a big asterisk on that. Yeah. No. I'm getting <laughs> uh, getting ahead of myself here, getting too excited. Bryce has yeah.
0: got a direct line to um Gladbach by the sounds of it.
2: Yeah, or Salzburg. It's all that red button.
0: I'm not gonna
1: confirm which one.
0: Okay.
2: <laughs> um and also to answer your question. In Austria, they are called Red Bull Salzburg because it's the name of the sponsor of the club, not the owner. Very important difference. And in, in Europe, they're FC Salzburg. Um, just wanted to clear that up one more time. But you're quite right. Um, it does look like Marco Rose. And I think, you know, when you follow Dieter Hecking, um I was on, on the side that I said, okay, well, he's actually done quite a bit in the first half of the season and, and showed that he could change tactically. Um, and that's, that's something that we've discussed privately also with Matt Marshall, who, who covered the, this last game, actually, for uh, Football Ground, um, And it, his match report is on the page. And he said he doesn't see a lot of tactical change. Now, in retrospect, I actually have to agree with him because you, you don't see much evolution of the side. It's the same thing. Like he, it seems like he can set, he can put in a system in place during training camp and um, change the club and change the orientation of a club. But that will be it for the entire year. There is not much of adjustments throughout matches. So in retrospect, uh, yeah, I think Matt was quite right about that observation. And I think with Marco Rosetta getting a coach, um, you you will know what kind of tactical setup we'll get with him. Because, and this is really interesting, this will be the latest Red Bull coach in the Bundesliga. You know, Ardi Hütter has has that background um, Ralf Rangnick of course the RB Leipzig set up all the coaches the, the entire club has an ethos and Julian Nagelsmann he's not a Red Bull coach but he plays very much that style of football and now we're getting Marco Rosa um, from the looks of it as well which is I, I personally find really fascinating because from covering the club quite a bit in Europa League last year and this year and Growing up in Munich, which is just an hour drive from Salzburg, I have family that lives right on the border. Salzburg is a place I visit often, and I see Salzburg quite a lot, um, just in general, because they're an interesting club to watch foot- They watch their football. I think we can be very excited to see him in this league, Bryce. And I think it's going to be interesting because Gladbach have a system in place that will work for him, but he, I think he's tactically so adapted. He can make little tweaks and so on throughout a game to just bring in that little bit extra that the side has on offer um, if he becomes the head coach, right? So I think that's why Ebel, he said, okay, look, we can we can sign Marco Rosa right now. He's available. Um, Leipzig have gone a dif- different direction. Leverkusen have gone a different direction. Um, Wolfsburg doesn't... Marco Rosa didn't seem to be keen with Wolfsburg. Um, didn't want to touch Schalke. I wonder why. So, you know, there was a chance to get him. And I guess they just looked at the hacking situation and said, like, yes, we, we, we like what you achieved. Um, we're going to mutually terminate the contract because we can get someone better. And that's exactly what they're going to do. And I think it will, the Bundesliga will be richer for it because Marco Rosa is going to be an exciting prospect as a head coach in this league.
1: Chris, um, I mean, speaking about hacking, do, do you think that he's you know done a good job at Gladbach or do you think... Really, it's it's about time that they looked beyond uh, hacking and yeah went for an exciting coach like this.
0: I think he's done an an okay job, but Borussia Mönchengladbach wanted to get back into the Champions League. If you look at the first half of the season, they did very well. You know they were second um, for 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 large parts actually from match day nine all the way to sixteen they were second, and and then obviously they were beaten by um, Dortmund and it's sort of been a little off-putting for that. And, uh, and I noticed you said at the start, Bryce, that you know they drew. It's not as bad as a loss. Well, for me, it, drawing the games is as bad as a loss because it gives you that mentality that you've just said that, well, actually, we haven't we haven't actually lost a game. But if you draw four games, you're better off losing one and, and trying to compete with the others. It gives you that mindset. Um, and, and the mindset is, well, we haven't lost a game. And I think that's a very dangerous mindset. And you know, total this season, Gladbach have drawn six times. You know, they've played twenty-eight matches; they've lost eight and they've drawn six. Well, that's that's quite a bad combination, and and it's where they are now. I mean, they've completely dropped out of the Champions League places, and you know, their trajectory, I would say, um, is probably somewhere around seventh, and that would mean that Dieter Hecking's had a terrible season because at one point um, they were. They were in a position to fight for the title and, and they've let it slip through their fingers. They got it back very briefly with a victory against um, Schalke back on, I think it was Match Day 20. But since then, they've been really inconsistent. And if you're trying to get into the European slots, you can't afford to be inconsistent. Not at this time of year anyway. It's it's no good having a, a cast-iron, bulletproof first half of the season and then and then tailing off. I mean, there are teams littered with that. That Hertha Berlin were famous for that at one point. Frankfurt um, had been guilty of it a couple of seasons ago. And and you see the problems it brings because now it wouldn't surprise me to see both Wolfsburg, um, Hoffenheim, maybe even Werder Bremen um, finish above them. And I know there's a five-point difference between Werder Bremen and Gladbach at the moment. But the way they're playing, um, I, can, I can see them dropping points because... They've got this situation where we haven't actually lost for a bit because, you know, all, all withdrawn. it's not exactly a loss and the teams around them are picking up extra points. So I will reserve judgment till the end of the season, but he's had an average season. If they were to fall out of complete European um, contention, then I think he would have had a poor season. A man is quite right. He set the stall out at the start of the season and they did very well. And then it, it can't continue because not that it gets stale. Other teams get used to it. They see how they play. You know, the... And Manuel know this and, and I know this. time you go into the press box, you can have someone from a club sat next to you or in front of you or behind you or all three in some occasions. They've got scouts, analysts, etc. Everybody there looking how the team plays, looking for any little bit of weakness. And unfortunately for Dieter Hecken and the teams around them have picked up on these weaknesses and exploited them to good effect.
2: It seems so easy too when you watch the the, the game today. You knew exactly what they were going to do, Bryce, and that is that is a dangerous thing. You know, when when teams figure out when you when you become predictable, um, we saw with Bosch last year, we, we see him with Gladbach now. And for me personally, I think Gladbach on a on a slippery slope at the moment, and I, they they they're falling out, they they they're dropping hard. And I, I Hoffenheim last year, remember Hoffenheim were in the same position last year than they are currently, and still managed to finish fourth. Actually, sorry, third. I don't think they're going to be able to do that because the, the top four just is collecting way more points than the top four did last year. But they're going to finish fifth. Um, I'm I'm certain that you know they will finish fifth. And then you have Werder, maybe even Leverkusen, um, Wolfsburg are, are pretty consistent. I think they could all finish ahead of Gladbach, and that would be disastrous.
1: Well, that's it. They picked up only six points from the last 24. It's just not good enough, really, is it? And with uh, remaining games, yes, we've only got six games left, but they've got three extremely tough ones in RB Leipzig, Hoffenheim, and last game of the season, Borussia Dortmund. We don't know what their situation will be at that stage. But, um, Chris, if, if we talk just um, final notes on Gladbach, we're talking about hacking, obviously, and maybe things going stale and that, but, to talk about the squad that they have, is it just a matter of changing the coach? Is the squad good enough to be in the top four? Do you feel
0: individually the the players that they've got? I think they're very good. If you if you look at who they've got, they've got very exciting attacking options. Uh, in in Stindl, um, Hazard I think's a fantastic player. Even at the back, they've got individuals who can who can play well individually, they can put out 11 um, they can put out eleven good players. It's just getting them to work cohesively as a unit. I mean, if you look at the keepers they've got, both their keepers are, are pretty good, Sonner and um, Sippel as well. Ginter, I like at the back. Elvedi's a good centre-back. If you then look at who they've got throughout the the midfield. You've got Zachariah Kramer, who's a good uh, good player. Strobel. There's lots of players they've got. You get to the top end, Traore. Um, you've got Alassane Play, who came in, obviously, this season. Um, and they've, they've, Raphael. They've got quality and depth, um, which is why when they were second and second and third and in that area, I, I thought they were probably at the right level um, with the individuals they've got. But it doesn't matter who you've got really um, in your team. It needs to be coached well. And that's why teams who aren't littered full of stars can still do very well if they've got the right coach. Um, And unfortunately now these players don't have the right coach in in Dieter Well It seems that they don't have the right coach. And obviously those above have agreed because, you know, he's had his contract terminated at the end of the season. So um, in terms of, of, of players, yes. It's just if they don't make um, those European slots, I'm pretty sure they will not make the Champions League now, and um, I'm, I'm prepared to say that. But if they don't make the Europa League, there's going to be a lot, and I mean a lot of of clubs interested in the likes of um, Michael Cousins, Thorgan Hazard, maybe in the likes of Fabian Johnson as well for some of the the second tier teams um, with that with the healthy leagues. Um, Stindl, I know he's getting on a bit he's 30 but he might be looking now and saying is it time for me to make a move Um, player is good as well there's a danger that they could lose some of of the key players they've got if they don't get into Europe next season because um, the likes of maybe Hoffenheim uh, Wolfsburg, Werder Bremen even, if they make those European slots could have a look at someone like Gladbach and say oh actually, might just parachute into our side there, help us but when we're playing in Europe, and you wouldn't blame anybody moving on if, if they're, I mean, if you just look at um, Dennis Zakaria who, who I've got a lot of time for, I think he's a great player, he's only a young 22 year old, if, does he want to be staying at Borussia Mönchengladbach if they're not playing in Europe at all? Does he want to give it another season, or a season after that? And if somebody more tempting comes in, um, then players of his calibre will quite easily get their heads turned, and that's, that's the fear I have for Gladbach, that that whoever comes in, if it is indeed uh, Michael Rosa comes in, that what squad will he have left to play with?
1: Manu, do you see the likes of uh, Thorgen Hazard and some of the other players that Chris mentioned actually being in the Gladbach side next year? Whether they're in, say, the Europa League or not?
2: Well, Thorgen Hazard has been heavily linked with Borussia Dortmund, right? It's a rumour that doesn't want to go away. I think them not playing in Europe would make it very difficult for them to extend his contract, which means they would have to sell him in the summer. Um, Dortmund are not the only side looking at him. By the way, hear rumors about Atlético, and on top of that, maybe to add to all the players that Chris mentioned, they are very interested in signing Max Kruse from Werder Bremen. Now I tell you, Werder Bremen finish ahead of Gladbach and qualify for Europe. Why would he go to Gladbach, right? Why would he go back there? So it makes it very difficult. Player player recruitment is is something that they. You know, maybe they will have to go and dip in Austria. You know, at RB Salzburg. But we all know that um, there's another club in the Bundesliga that seems to get all the best prospects from from Salzburg. So it it, it makes it a lot more difficult, Bryce.
1: Yeah, I don't know who that could possibly be. Yeah, but um, yeah, they've got Hanover next week, and they're desperately going to be hoping that they can pick up three points in that game and get back to winning ways. Guys, I think it's time, I think it's about time we moved on to Der Klassiker, yeah? um, Obviously, as we said, it was highly anticipated, the, the biggest one in a long time. Borussia Dortmund were going into it, um, top of the pile, yes, that's right, with Bayern Munich chasing them. The game was played in the Allianz and, unfortunately, was rather one-sided, as we mentioned at the top of the podcast, in 5-0, that's right. Five goals to nil to Bayern Munich. Um, I don't know who to go to first to talk about this. Um, go on. Let's let's go to Manu. Manu, what what exactly happened? I mean, this, this is a disaster, isn't it for for Dortmund? But also maybe not a great thing for the league, really.
2: Uh, I'm going to quote uh, Thomas Millen, say It's simple mathematics. They scored five, and Dortmund scored none.
1: <laughs> done covered done. okay chris oh, no, actually,
2: <laughs> go, to, go to chris because he you know in all fairness he covered this game in depth on uh, com. so it's, 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 i want to hear it from him uh, i have some thoughts on it but i think chris is probably going to give y- you more detail on it first yeah i
1: i don't think that that's uh your your last um last words on it so uh, chris then the the floor is yours um 5-0 my word
0: my word indeed, yeah. Yeah, well, man is quite right. I did cover the game um, and the match reports on com. now. Um, you can relive the um, nightmare or ecstasy, whichever um, is your persuasion of, of colour, yellow and black or red and white. And it was everything that we didn't want this game to be. And um, that's no disrespect to Bayern because they I thought they were fabulous. Um, but, I mean, 205 countries took this game live um, which is, you know, as many, um, as many as, as will take um, El Clasico, as many will take Liverpool against Manchester United. This is a global audience expecting to see a very tight game. And and it was over and in their 100th meeting, um, of the, you know, the two clubs together. It was over in, I mean... I'm going to be kind and say it was over in 45 minutes. In truth, it was over in, in 16 minutes. Um, yeah, I mean, take your pick. Um, mauling, thumping, hiding, um, all of them. Uh, one headliner I read, um, men against boys, completely spot on. Um, I put down that that Bayern you know, showed their um, title credentials and um, should give some due to Niko Kovac, actually, because in the midweek... I thought Bayern were, were poor against Heidenheim. Um, really, if you look at who Bayern are, and if you look at who FC Heidenheim are in in that Pocal game, and for them just to win five four um, in the Alliance, um, very very late, I, I thought they were poor. And um, I wrote a build up piece saying that there's no more excuses for Kovac, in the, and and not that there's no more excuses if he doesn't win, he needs to be sacked. That that wasn't the angle of the story. There was no more excuses. There, Past few weeks, we've seen some excuses. For instance, and I put this in the in the article that's still on for com. now, um, you know, oh, Jurgen Klopp spent more of this money. Yeah, Jurgen Klopp this, Jurgen Klopp that. You know, he was a little bit sore that they were dumped out of the Champions League. And he might be quite right by when he spent a little bit of money in compared to those all around him. But Kovac had one of the best goalkeepers in the world, one of the best strikers in the world, one of the best midfielders in the world, one of the best defenders in the world you know, and the, the the people he was comparing himself with for instance Jurgen Klopp walked into a side that was absolutely terrible and he had to rebuild it so of course they're going to spend you know millions and millions of pounds Kovacs didn't have that need to because he had some of the best players in the world and it wasn't gelling and I was just a little bit disappointed with the excuses and and that's why I came up with you know no more excuses but boy no more excuses was given because they were just they were just unreal um, for everything. Dortmund weren't buying, were and I put that in the end in in the summarisation, the talking points of the match. You know, were buying this good or were Dortmund just that bad? And um, unfortunately for Dortmund, it, it was a mixture of the two. This was a buying that we've seen over the last six years. Hungry, first to the ball, first to the second ball. It was a wonderful performance. And unfortunately for those two hundred and five countries watching, my only fear. Is that they'll have gone? Oh well, you know I don't really watch the Bundesliga, um, but you know I've heard that Dortmund are doing quite well, and it's a close title fight. I might watch it, and and Dortmund have been absolutely spanked five nil. And 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 I spoke to you about this, Bryce, and I think I spoke to Manu about it as well. There's a lot of people, and my Twitter comments um, to me are full of it. You know that, that the Bundesliga's. Is it a one-horse race? Is it another France? Uh, is you know, They are valid questions um, if you don't watch it week in, week out. So I think this result has done not just damage to Dortmund, I think it's done damage um, for the credibility of the league. But you can't blame that for Bayern. They had to go out and and make a statement. Um, and they did that in an emphatic fashion. And I think Nico Kovac will probably be wondering why they couldn't do this against Liverpool. And if they had, they would probably... Um, being with a good chance of being in the latter stages of the competition this week, and not just watching on television. But yeah, I mean, I let Manny talk about Dortmund, but I thought Bayern were were phenomenal.
1: Yeah, guys. I mean, if we talk about Dortmund a little bit, I mean, the, the shots, you know, and the stats in this was twenty-two shots to four. A four being the amount that Mats Hummels, as centre back for. Bayern Munich had got his total. He had two on and two off target and had a a rather good game. I mean, the whole of the Bayern Munich side had a good game and the whole of the Dortmund side didn't. I mean, Manu, why is this? Why have they bottled such an occasion? I mean, a win would have seen them four points clear. Things would have been looking really rosy for them going into the final few games. Was it the pressure just got to them?
2: That's the easy answer. I think there's a bunch of things that went wrong here. You know, I cover the the Bundesliga, um, not just for the Football Grad Network, but also for Forbes.com, right?
1: We can get anything delivered from furniture to toilet paper. And now, adult beverages with Drizzly. Drizzly lets you compare prices from local liquor stores on a huge selection of beer, wine, and spirits. Then get them delivered right to your door in under 60 minutes. And right now, Drizzly's giving all new customers $5 off their first order. Just enter promo code EASY5 at checkout. Download the Drizzly app or go to drizzly.com. That's
2: D-R-I-Z-L-Y dot com. And um, I wrote a piece on there. First of all, I was underlining what Chris just said, that this, is, this game was a bit of a marketing disaster. And this is not to blame Bayern. Um, you know, Bayern. If you go, if you are a team, you go into a game to win. You're not, you're not going to lose games because it's it's the good for the league. Um, that's just not how any club in the world operates and shouldn't operate. So um, this, I, I want to underline this. This is, was very much a chance for Dortmund to highlight that the league is not just a one-horse race. And as bad as Dortmund were, you know, they were very bad. Um, I think we have to remember that Heidenheim had a fantastic game on Wednesday in the Allianz Arena. Freiburg, Gladbach, Düsseldorf, teams that are all much lower than Dortmund in the standings, were fantastic at the Allianz Arena um, and took points there and won Augsburg as well. So I think that just underlines, um, and I don't know what pressure there really is. If you are a team that wants to win the championship, it, it almost makes you wonder in a way and when I saw the lineup and this this is the first thing I thought when I saw the lineup hmm no Mario Götze you know we knew Paco Alcázar would be out but why not play Götze and then the next thing I saw was Dahoud in the number 10 I was like hmm that's interesting, but I trust Favre. Um, he does n- know what he's doing, I suppose, because, you know, he has, he is, in my opinion, he is one of the best coaches in Europe. But he's a tinkerer. Um, we saw that a bit, to maybe to give you the comparison, guys, the Claudio Ranieri, before he had his crowning achievement with Leicester, for many, many years, was always considered a tinkerer. A fantastic coach, but would second-guess his choices. And I think that's what he did in this one. And it, it's not just that, but it, it, that's a big part of it. We had Marco Royce come and speak to the press after the game, say, "Everyone knows I'm not a striker. Everyone knows I don't like to play there," and that makes makes you think because he was completely isolated in this game. You know, it, you just tell that that's not where he feels comfortable. Dahoud did not offer them any creativity whatsoever, um, except for the one chance that he didn't score. And I mean. Chris, you wrote to me privately. How did he not put that away? And that that goal would have maybe changed everything. You know, we know goals change games, and maybe that would have changed everything. But there just wasn't anything there, and I almost wonder if he, if Favre overthought that. You saw shades of that as well in the in the return leg like against Atletico, the game that they lost, but it didn't ultimately matter. And you saw some of that also against Tottenham, and maybe for him, you know. Father is the first person to say this all the time. You know, we're actually in a rebuild year, just like Bayern. now. it's just like happens to be that our rebuild in the first half of the season was going a lot better than theirs. So you know, he would be the first one to admit it. And he was always warning that there will be times when he will get things wrong. And so you know, this is the first time for him, despite him being an experienced coach, that he is a big club. But at the same time, it remembers me, reminds me of two thousand eight, two thousand nine. When he was the head coach of Hertha and until around this time of the season was actually in the in the title challenge with Hertha Berlin and uh, started then second guessing himself and things kind of fell apart so that is maybe something that something that happened in this game but at the same time I mean Chris can probably talk about this in great length but when you look at the defensive errors that were made in, in Dortmund's side um whether that is the lack of experience or maybe just lack of talent. Um, I, I leave that out to other people to judge, but Zakadu had, had an absolute nightmare of a game. Lukas Piszczek was completely bossed um, by Coman, and he was, he's been out since day 21, so maybe too early for him. But, you know, these are all things that Dortmund will have to look at and will have to look at hard because it's not the first time that they've been overrun and analyze, and they have to now win every single game until the end of the season, and that's not going to be very easy.
0: I think another thing that disappointed me from a Dortmund side is we've seen this season that Axel Witzel and Thomas Delaney in that midfield too um, have been have been brilliant. and I had to watch the game back, firstly, to see if Jadon Sancho was actually on the pitch because I can't remember him doing anything, and he was very quiet. Um, but Bryn Larsson had one really good um Link up with Royce early on, which in fact was the precursor to De Hood's miss. Um, It was just everywhere I thought they were poor, but yeah, especially at the back. And Sakadu was taken off at half time. Could he have come off earlier? Probably. Is that the sort of thing that destroys a young player for weeks and months? Yes, so I can see why it didn't happen. Um, You know, if players were robotic and, and that. That robot had been making those particular errors I think he would have been taken off a lot earlier but the damage it would have done had he been taken off I think would outweigh leaving him on although you could argue that 5 nils quite a lot of damage but Zagadu, he didn't look right um, he had kinesis tape up both sides of his neck, blue kinesis tape which was all the way up which tells me that he either had um, shoulder, Bryce you'll know more about this he either had shoulder issues or he had neck issues so um, he obviously wasn't feeling 100% if he's gone into a game like this not feeling a hundred percent, then he won't play a hundred percent. And wow, boy, he probably didn't even play twenty percent because the mistake, the critical mistake that he made to allow um, Lewandowski to nip in and score his two um, hundredth Bundesliga goal was his third mistake of the afternoon, and we'd only played sixteen minutes. So was he the right one to play in there? Because Julian Weigel came in at half time. If we're going to look at it at that. They owned Dortmund. And he lost the second half one nil. So maybe that's uh, something to look at retrospectively. Man quite right. Piszczek wasn't the best, but not only was it the defense; it was everybody else. Royce was in the wrong position. Man already said and, and he spoke to press about that. But Brunn and Dahoud, Sancho, Witzel, Delaney, so when he came on didn't couldn't really get into the game as much. Uh, Marius Wolf couldn't really get into the game because it was gone. Um, and if you look around them, if you look at the other part, um, Thomas Muller had a brilliant game. Kingsley Coburn was just a thorn in the side of of, of, of Piszczek going down that um, left-hand side. Thiago was my man of the match. I thought it was wonderful. Um, Martinez was excellent. Again, building on a couple of really good performances of late. Scored a brilliant goal as well. Mats Hummels, you mentioned it, Bryce. You know, he got an early goal. That could have been his second. He went very close inside of 90 seconds, I think it was, um, from a corner. That's another thing. Dortmund didn't learn the mistakes that had gone previously. And Hummels could have had a hat-trick, maybe even more, um, with the chances he, he had. And and the set-pieces, I mean, this this game could have been 6 or 7 nil at half-time. And it wouldn't have been um, an embarrassment of riches to Bayern. It would have been very well-deserved. And I think if you were going to say anything on behalf of Dortmund, they would be quite thankful that Bayern weren't as clinical as as they could have been, because this could have been double the scoreline, and that would have been absolutely terrible for Dortmund and anyone connected with Dortmund. But, yeah, 5-0, 5-0 is, is a wonderful score to beat your championship rivals by. We'll wait and see what extra, extra problems it brings for Dortmund mentally, but Um, Hans-Joachim Watzke spoke today and I thought it was a very strange comment, Um, he said it on Sky Sports in in Germany, he said "Oh, come Tuesday, you know Bayern will realise that no matter what they they only got three points for this um, victory, which I think is very defensive because um, I think it could be a lot more than three points that they got from this victory
2: Well, Essentially it's four if you think about it. Yeah of course it is, with with the goal
0: difference, yeah because I mean, yeah. if, they, if the teams finish level, then the goal difference is 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 worthwhile. It's worth a goal in itself, isn't it?
2: Yeah.
1: Well, that's exactly it. It, it was five between the two sides, and after that result, it obviously means that. Well, it, in goal difference, where it, it's a six-pointer, it now results in fifteen. Uh, difference so that that's quite sizable and um, Manu d- looking at the remaining fixtures um and obviously the momentum that Bayern will take from this but also the the concern from Borussia Dortmund's point of view can Dortmund come back from this I mean that there, there's there's only one point difference you know after all this it, it is very true but uh, are they going to struggle with the games that are remaining now because of
2: this? That's a million dollar question, isn't it? How are the two sides going to react to this result? Um, you know, let's start, let's start with Bayern, shall we? Because I think Watzke is right. In the end of the day, it's three points, and Bayern. We have seen. I mean, we have seen Bayern being very good one week later. Not very bad, um, I mean, the, the results against Mainz, 6-0, 1-1 against Freiburg come to mind. Then follow up with a 5-4 against Heidenheim, 5-0 against Dortmund. Now they're facing Düsseldorf, and everyone will think, okay, that's an easy three points. But remember, Düsseldorf have Luka Baku. Bayern don't like playing against fast players. We Everyone knows this around the world. Um, he scored three goals. There's not many players in the in the world either that have managed three goals in Munich against Bayern. I think he's only one of four or five worldwide. Um so they're going to face him next Sunday. Um that's going to be very interesting to watch. See see how they're going to react. And then they have Werder Bremen um at home. Bremen have been actually a pretty decent side as well. Then they have Werder Bremen against in the Cup. Then they have a Bavarian Derby against Nuremberg. They have a game against Hannover. I I think everyone knows those are going to be six points. Then they have Leipzig. Uh, that's going to be a very difficult game. And then uh final match day against Frankfurt. So it's not by any stretch done. Um, I think that is, that's what we said last week. For Bayern, this was a final. They won it, right? They could not afford to lose this game at all. Dortmund, in the meantime, they still can make up for it because if Dortmund had won it, it would have been five points. It would have been over. Now Dortmund have... Mainz and Freiburg next. That sounds easy. Freiburg, though, is a team where they have done very badly in the last few years. They have struggled to play well in Freiburg. And then they got Schalke. Right? Sounds easy right now, too. But Chris knows this very well. They're always a very difficult opponent. It's, it's a huge game. Then they got Bremen, Düsseldorf, Gladbach for the final match so it's pretty even in terms of games maybe buying a little bit of the more difficult calendar um towards the end of the season but i mean then again schalke we don't know what game you're gonna get in a derby like that so I think, yes, Watzke has a point, but at the same time, how will that Dortmund side respond against Mainz? And I think they need to go out there and smash Mines, get five, six goals, win this game emphatically, otherwise they're going to be in big trouble.
1: Yeah, absolutely agreed. There's still plenty to play for. Uh, Chris, if, if we talk about uh, Nico Kovac, uh, it, different comments coming out, rumors coming out, it, it doesn't necessarily guarantee that he's going to
0: have a job at the end of the season, no matter what happens. No, which um, I think is um, a little bit worrying if you need Kovacs. It was asked um, today, um, some of the Bayern management were that you would, as Kovacs got a job there um, next season. Ruminiger said there are no job guarantees with us. Um, Everyone who works for Bayern has to deliver. Um, and whoever can't deal with the pressure is at the wrong club, which is a, a worrying thing. You would, I mean, if you're Niko Kovac, you would hope that Carl Heinz Rummenigge goes, yeah, yeah, of course, you know, we're we're on on track to win the double potentially. So um, yeah, Nico Kovac will be in next season. Um, but you can interpret his words in, in whichever way you want. I think he's quite right. There are no job guarantees with any club, but it's not the sort of thing you want um, one of your bosses. Um, to be saying, um, I mean, Ruminig did go on to say that no one at Bayern has called him into question, and there's, you know, nothing against having his contract out. So you can you can cherry pick the the particular words from his statement to suit whichever whichever way you want to look at it. So whichever, if you've got an agenda about it, if you want Niko Kovac out, then you could say there's no job guarantees. If you want Niko Kovac in, you know, there's 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 no one at Bayerns called him into question, but. It is. It's worrying. I think for any manager, I think Bayern have, will be disappointed, even if they win the league and even if they win the double. I think they will be disappointed purely because uh, Manu's spoken about this and I've spoken about it on on many occasions that the Champions League uh, means a lot to Bayern because, in no disrespect to the rest of the league, uh, Bayern are expected to win the league at the moment um, and they have been winning it for the past seven. Uh, sorry, for the past six years. So. They're expected to win. They're expected to win the Pocal. You know, their their squad is the most expensive. It's the most expensive assembled. Um, it's it's worth probably the most as well if they were to sell it on. So you would expect them to win. It's in Europe where they need to be doing better, and you know maybe that's where if they want to make a change, that's why they will make that change. But um, I mean, Mano will will say there's links to Jose Mourinho constantly. I would think it's the wrong appointment for me um, especially with Bayern looking to transition into a youth side and Mourinho likes to play with um, well known players and and world stars and in that way he's a little bit like uh, Carlo Ancelotti he's not there to give youth a chance he'll come in and he'll win you the league but he won't do it with kids and you know, just look at Chelsea and how many people they've got um, academy players on the books out at loan etc because they couldn't get games Um, and, and they've still got that as a bit of a hangover now um, Manchester United, you know some of the youth teams, uh, the youth players are now getting their shot under Ole Gunnar Solskjaer. They, they didn't get that shot under Mourinho because he wanted people like Alexis Sanchez to come in and you know big name players, which sometimes doesn't work for you. So I don't know. It's a hard, it's a hard question. Um, is he going to be there next season? Nobody knows, but I, I think even winning the double might not be enough for him. Um, it's whether he can sit down at the end of the season and and chat with um, Rummenigge, Honus, Khan, whoever is there at the time, um, and and give them a presentation and a feeling that he can take the club forward.
1: Yeah. I mean, uh, Manu, just before we very briefly speak about the Pokal draw, I I just want a quick answer as to who's going to be there next season, in your opinion, Mourinho or Kovac?
2: I I think it's going to really depend on the results. Um, Listen, I haven't, I've, haven't heard anyone say guaranteed Mourinho is coming in. I know Mourinho wants the job really badly, reading between the lines. Um, but it's also not something. And there's a lot of media people out there completely dismiss that rumor. Um, I wouldn't go that far from what I've heard. Um, but Chris is quite right. I think he, it would be the wrong appointment, um, and that's not because I'm anti-Mourinho or anything. I just think it's not the direction the club should take. I actually, I actually like Kovac as a coach. I think. He gives young players a chance um, and I think that he should be given a chance even if things don't work out from them this season and that is of course the double um, which is the minimum that they can now achieve and I'm not 100% convinced yet that they will actually get it because um, although they did destroyed by uh, Dortmund they have stumbled in the past over other, other smaller uh, opponents right? and so I don't think the ship has sailed on that for Dortmund or maybe even another club so, But I think Kovac is the right man, Bryce.
1: Yeah, I couldn't agree more with you on that. Uh, Chris, uh, very quickly, we're going to speak about the DFB-Pokal draw. It sees Hamburg taking on RB Leipzig and um, Werner Bremen against Bayern Munich. These games will take place on April 23rd. Is it um, wrong to presume that we'll probably see RB Leipzig versus Bayern Munich in the final?
0: I don't think it's wrong to presume that. And there are two other sides that will have a big say in it. But I think if you were to take both teams on their current form, on their um, squads on paper, um, then yeah, that would probably be the final. But the DFB-Pokal, like many cup competitions around the world, can throw up the odd surprise here and there. So I think we'll wait and see. But um, this is a really good opportunity for... Leipzig to, you know, get their name on one of the biggest trophies available in Germany after only what nine years in existence. I think they would see it as a massive step towards their eventual total domination of, of German football, which is what they'd like to do in European football. So I think we will wait and see if they were to um, if they were to win the Pokal and finish third, that would be uh, I think that'd be an unbelievable season for them, and it would be a big building block for Julian Nagelsmann to come in. But Manu is quite right. I think the minimum expectation of Bayern Munich now is to win the double, and I think when that is your minimum expectation, that brings a lot of pressure with it. Yeah,
1: absolutely. And uh, Manu, if, if we just uh, go to you to wrap things up, just with team of the week.
2: Yeah, before the team of the week, I I want to see the North Derby in the in the final. Bremen-Hamburg, bring it on. Um, but yeah, different story. <laughs> yeah, bring it
1: here. on, that's what I yeah.
2: say, eh? Well, we'll talk about these uh, two games a bit more when, when we get a bit closer. Um, yeah, the team of the week, um, pretty straightforward, I think, this year. This week, um, Florian Müller in goal, Mainz keeper. Then we have Hübner, the Hoffenheim defender. Hummels, <laughs> I mean, he almost got a hat-trick against Dortmund, so, you know, have to put him in. William. Uh, from Wolfsburg. Then in midfield, it's a it's a four. Demi by Boetius from Mainz. I mean, Mainz were fantastic this week, so you know we're going to actually have three players from Mainz in the squad. Uh, Thiago, Chris's man of the match for the for the the clasica. Gnabry, who was also excellent. Um, you know, we saw the pass the ball being steered um, up front. deal Lewandowski scored two times. you know. People have been on his case all year that he doesn't score in big goal, big games. Scored goal number 200 and 201 in the biggest game in Germany. I think everyone can rest their case. And then I'm Mateta for Mainz, another Mainz player. Um, have you mentioned that Mainz have been excellent? Because they were.
1: Yes, they were. They really were. Um, and Lewandowski, fantastic performance. And just a, a quick note on Belfodil, who um, scored a hat-trick and it was the first Algerian ever to score a hat trick in the Bundesliga. Well done, him.
2: And no one oh. took this hat trick away this time, you know? <laughs> yeah, that that's <laughs> very, no very much true. This week. No Cromart's toe to take away that third goal. <laughs>
1: no, definitely not. And and what a, a fantastic a breakaway hat-trick and clinical finishing it was, fair play to him. Um, Chris, what have you got going on then this week? I would imagine plenty with the Champions League return. Yep, yeah,
0: we've got Champions League football is back. Um, Liverpool are playing Porto. So I'll be at Liverpool um, tomorrow. It's Sunday, as we record this. I'll be there tomorrow for um, Jurgen Klopp's might not be there for press conference price. It's very early, but I'll certainly be there for um, training at Melwood. And then for the game, obviously, um, Jurgen Klopp is German. So we're now focusing on the Germans that are left in the Champions League. Um, and that's pretty much one at every club, I think, bar Ajax and Man United. So as long as it's not an Ajax versus Manchester United final, um, then then we should be fine. But but yeah, I'll be covering Jurgen Klopp's march towards a back-to-back Champions League finals hopefully um, this week and then obviously next week it's European football again um, I'll be in Porto for that return leg very good and all
1: after the gym tomorrow morning I've heard as well well done Chris um, a man that will also be at the gym plenty this week after being in New Orleans uh, is Manu Vett eh? uh, Manu what have you got going on this week apart from trying to get rid of all that grease and booze
2: yeah burning off the fried chicken Um no yeah, um, Chris mentioned it's Champions League, so he's quite right. We're still going to preview all of them. Um, I'm going to probably start most of them today. Andrew Flint is taking care of the United game. Um, so those are going to come out throughout the week. Also, we got Europa League, Eintracht Frankfurt, on their quest to win, bring a European title to the to Germany. Um, remember, we actually still have a German side. And Chris is quite right. We're going to focus on the likes of Ter Stegen, uh, Gündogan, Sané, and um i think a lot of germans including myself are keeping the fingers crossed that uh, jürgen klopp is going to win a couple titles with an english side just to um silence some of the critics saying that he can't win titles so uh, i'm definitely in that camp i'm keeping my fingers crossed that he can silence that and um yeah all of that can be found at football grad life
1: yeah i think that would make all three of us manner yeah well that more or less does it for this week um i hope You enjoyed the weekend. There was a lot of big results and plenty to talk about. I have a feeling there's going to be plenty more in the coming weeks as we only have six weeks left in the Bundesliga. Enjoy the Champions League and the Europa League this week. And the Bundesliga, as it comes next week, we shall return before you know it. I've been your host, Bryce Dunn. You can find me on Twitter at Bryce dunn 11 And until then, auf Wiedersehen.